It's time for Outside the Box with Lincoln Stars head coach Rocky Russo and Lincoln Stars broadcaster Joel Norman on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back into another edition of Outside the Box being brought to you by Raising Canes here on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Joel Norman alongside the head coach of the Lincoln Stars, Rocky Russo. We're talking Stars hockey, and lately if you're talking about the Stars, you're talking about wins and plenty of goals right now. Rocky, 18 goals in the last three games. We're going to keep saying that until it gets even higher here pretty soon, and three straight wins. You can't talk about this team without talking about the offense and I think the talent that's been displayed. Obviously, it's very early in the season, and the offense is typically ahead of defense in a lot of ways at this time, but you've got to be thrilled with how things have gone so far. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it's it's six games. It's a small sample size. Uh, we don't want to we don't want to put the cart before the horse, but there's a lot of things that uh, you know. If you're a fan of this team right now, or or you're a part of our staff, you you like what you see early on. Uh, our guys are are buying into that that culture that we're trying to create and and they're pushing each other and creating competition and practice every day um they really like being around each other which is you know always a challenge with a new group they they haven't had a whole lot of time to mesh together but in the short time that they've been together they've seemed to develop some good relationships and so uh you know i attribute that to great leadership obviously we named our captains last week and mason marcellus is our captain, Antonio Fernandez, Doug Grimes, Boston Buckberger, all junior hockey veterans, uh, guys that have been around, guys that understand what it takes to win, and uh, and they're really setting the tone. But our message in our room is leaders amongst leaders. And so there's a lot of guys in that room that received captain's votes, which I thought was really special. And, and you know, you had Keaton Peters get some votes and Raf some veteran players, but then... Um, Cameron Whitehead gets some votes. Uh, Danny Sambuco gets some votes. Like DJ Hart got a bunch of votes. So guys that are um, not wearing letters but are definitely contributing to the leadership of this club is uh, is really encouraging from from my seat. It's really cool that you bring that up as well because when I talked to all four of the guys who were given letters, one of the things they talked about with me is, yeah, I'm wearing a letter. But I can learn a lot from what my teammates do, and I can learn how to be a leader from what they need from me as well. And I thought that said a lot about their maturity. Yeah, they, you know, I I had a talk with those guys, and you know, I think the the veteran guys are at least, you know, they have a leg up because they got to learn from Dalton Norris and Joe Lemay and 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 uh, uh, Aiden Thompson last year, and so they they saw good leadership those guys are good leaders Dalton Norris is one of the very best captains I've ever had the the privilege to coach and and so their their experience with those guys is certainly going to go a long way and and then you know they understand how important our culture is they understand how important everybody pulling in the right direction is and and so they value the leadership that other guys in the room can bring. And last year, obviously, we had the three guys wearing letters, but there were so many guys that, that brought leadership, Lucas Wall and Caden and Barco and, and Carter Shade, and I could go on and on. But, 
you know, those guys were, were leaders amongst leaders. And, and so that was, that was a, a great learning experience for the guys that are now in control. We mentioned it being a good weekend for the Stars, a pair of 6-3 to three wins against the Tri-City Storm. First, it was last Friday at the Icebox, and then the same kind of score, but a different type of game last Saturday. Rocky, we saw, I, I mean, there was a, it was interesting how both games played out because the first period of the first game last Friday combined six goals between the two teams. The offense was out and ready to go. You guys had that crazy stretch scoring three goals in just under a three-minute span at one point of the first period to score the game's first three goals. And then the game got a little bit closer after that as Tri-City scored a couple of goals to bring it to a 3-2 game at the 17:48 mark of the first. But you and I talked about this after the game Friday. That goal by Mason Marcellus in the final minute kind of felt like helped reset you guys in that game. Talk to me about how that game could have gone the other way maybe if you don't get that insurance goal to end the first period last Friday. You know what, there was a, there was a really big learning opportunity for us we jump out on them early. We're up three nothing. Uh, they've got a, a kid in the net who's never played in the USHL before. We have an opportunity to just step on them and and finish that game early. And uh, instead, we took a deep breath and we took a step back and uh, we gave them life. And they're too good of a team. You can't give anybody in this league an inch. And when you give a team like Tri City, which is so talented. Um, some space and make some mistakes in your own end they're going to capitalize and you know as quickly as that three nothing lead was there it evaporated into a three two one goal game and um you know fortunately mason scores four on four late in the period but i talked to the guys about the the mistake that we made there by letting off the the gas a little bit and the funny part is is i can say it because i did during the media timeout uh but until they experience it they don't really get it and and so um, it takes some failure. It takes learning about hard things and adversity in order to truly understand them. So I'm glad we were able to go through that. I'm glad we were able to win a game, obviously. But um, if we don't score that goal at the end of the, the first period, you're in the locker room 3-2. You're still feeling good about yourself, but you're going, man, we had a chance to end this game and, and we let that slip away. Still were able to chase Nicholas Erickson, who you mentioned was playing in his first USHL game. He faced 12 shots, gave up four goals on that time, and you know the man in the net changed, but your success finding the back in that, it really didn't change. Carlos Messargs, he came on strong for the rest of that game, but the next night you score six goals against him. That's a USHL veteran, but a lot of the guys who were getting it done for you guys this weekend were USHL veterans as well. Yeah, we're getting scoring from all over our, our lineup and I think that's great to see obviously you know the expectations from seven seconds or 14 seconds into game one in Pittsburgh was the lucky line was going to score right and yeah. and uh, they've done a really nice job obviously statistically you look and and Mason's got 11 points or something and I think Tanner has eight, Doug has seven. Those guys are doing a great job, but you're getting scoring from up and down our forward line. You're getting contributions from the back end, and uh, Antonio scores a goal in his second game back this weekend. And, and so um, when you have that much depth, it's really challenging as a, an opposing coach because you don't know who to match your best defensive lineup against with. You don't know uh, who to get your, your top four D out against because – you know, you get your third pair uh, of D out there in your third or fourth line against our third line, and, and you're in a bit of trouble uh, because you're going out against whoever it may be, whether it's Peters, 
uh, Larrigan and Raff, or or maybe it's the Messick line. Obviously, uh, Clavs wasn't in this weekend, but uh, Messick was doing a great job in Sambuco and those guys. So, um, you know, it's it's tough to deal with top to bottom up front. We have a lot and, and uh, they're all willing to contribute. They're all willing to play 200 feet. And, and uh, that's, what's bringing on a lot of our early success. Off and running here on outside the box. It's being brought to you by raising canes. We're talking Lincoln stars hockey after they picked up a pair of six to three victories last weekend over the tri city storm team who they had some trouble with last year. So to get two wins against them early on in the season, gigantic and to kind of get off and running, uh, the, the Stars are at home this weekend on Saturday night. They're going to be taking on the Des Moines Buccaneers at 6.05 p.m. And it is Princess and Girls Night at the Icebox. And the best way to enjoy that game is going to be with a McDonald's Princess package. You get four tickets and two tiaras for $65. And you can get your package now or any single-game tickets at LincolnStars.com. Rocky, you brought up Klaus Weinbergs. Obviously, he suffered an injury on Friday but you mentioned that Michael Messick did a nice job stepping in. He had been playing on the wing with Klovs, kind of moved over to that center position. How nice is it? And you have a couple of players like that. Jared Mangan's another one. We've seen him on the wing as well. How nice is that to kind of have those Swiss Army knife options who can play wing and play center? Yeah, I mean, Brennan Ali is a is a natural center. And, and so, you know, we've got guys. Brent Mason Marcellus is a natural center. And, you know, he played center for over half the year last year until he ended up on the line with Aiden Thompson and Lucas Wallen. So uh, I think the reality of it is, is all these guys are the best players on their team growing up and youth hockey players take the best player and they just put them in the middle. They play center, but not everybody understands what the role of an actual center is when you get to the higher levels of hockey. And so being able to defend in your own end, uh, being responsible and underneath pucks as you're breaking pucks out, understanding that you're going to be maybe late into the zone because you're traveling the furthest when it comes to, to entering the offensive zone, taking care of the face-off dot, uh, being responsible for making sure everyone's on the same page with what you're doing in the on your draws. Like There's a lot that goes into it. And um, for us to have so many guys that are capable and, and can not only go in and take a face-off but can defend and, and do the actual – uh, hard things that are necessary from a center makes it very nice for us. Now, all those guys want to play center because they're comfortable in the middle, but they understand that that we only have four of them on any given night. And, and so um, Keaton Peters has played a lot of wing for us. He played a lot of wing last year. He's comfortable, but he's doing a great job in the middle. Um, you've seen Messick play both this year. You've seen Mangan play both. You see Ali in the faceoff dot a lot. Uh, you know, Tanner has even played a fair amount of wing and, uh, and now he's playing center pretty regularly for us. So, um, that, that enables my, my line combinations to really start to, um, to expand when, when we talk about who's going to play here and there. And, and, uh, you know, I, I like Michael Messick in the middle and I like what he brings when he's distributing pucks from the middle of the ice, but I like what he can bring as a winger too. So, um, a lot of that stuff will sort itself out over the next 20, 25 games, and guys will kind of organically find their way into a natural position, and and then um, from there it'll be it'll be dependent on you know availability. Guys that are injured, suspended, what have you, will prompt guys to move from from one wing or to the other, or or maybe into the middle. It's a good problem to have a lot of depth. Right now, a lot of guys can play a lot of different positions, and that, that extends to the blue line. We saw that with Antonio Fernandez drawing back into the lineup right away. He scores a goal in game number two. 
And you and I were talking about how the first night you had him paired with Cole Crossberg rosine You changed that up a little bit the next night, I saw. But uh, the depth of the team right now is, I think, one of the, my favorite parts about this early stretch of the season. Because, like you said, you are still figuring a lot of things out. But I think it's nice that you have the options to try some different things out a little bit as well. Taking on Des Moines this weekend, as we mentioned, just one game once again. This is the last time... If I'm not mistaken, yeah, for the rest of the regular season where it's just a one-game weekend, but you're taking on a team you haven't faced yet. Some of these teams you have seen to this point. Um, Des Moines is, right now, they've gone off to a slower start, I think, than they would have liked, but obviously I think it's easy for us to say that with how the Stars have started, leading the Western Conference. You've done a little bit of uh, prep on them. What are you seeing that stands out about the Buccaneers? They're a good club. Uh, there's no doubt about it. There's On any given night, you can you can get beat by any team in this league. The The... Uh, the separation between the the top teams and the quote unquote statistically bottom teams is so minimal it's unbelievable and and uh, you know if if you're not on top of your game and taking advantage of that slight separation then you've even the score and it's a coin flip and and Des Moines has uh, good goaltending they've got some experienced veteran forwards. They brought in some quality younger players, and uh, and they're certainly a team that will pose a challenge for us on Saturday night. If you want to get a, a part of this show here on the outside of the box, you can give us a call on the Honda of Lincoln hotline, 402-464-5685, or you can text us on that same line, the Sartor Hammond text line, 402 464 5685 here on Outside the Box. Rocky, I brought this up, the six goals in three straight games, so 18 goals over the last three. I dove into this a little bit. So I realized today that it's only happened four times since 2002 when USHL became a Tier 1 league that the Stars have done that. The longest stretch of the Stars have done that in was seven consecutive games. So oh, dear. A few more games to work on to get to that point. <laughs> a couple more. What was weekend. that, like 96? Now, like the, that the first was, year? That, would have been, that was February 17th through March 10th of 2007. Okay. So not you know 13 years ago, I guess, at this point. But, yeah. you know, that's... A few more, a few games away, but a little bit of work, obviously, to get to that point. But the fourth time in franchise history since '02 that it's happened, though, so that's got to be nice. You talked to me. I mean, I, obviously, I'm still seeing a lot of stuff. One of the things you talked to me about was this: your kind of teams were going to be a blue collar identity type of team. What does it mean, though, when you're getting goals at this higher rate? Does it change any bit of your approach, or is it more of a luxury that, that this is happening as well? Oh, nothing, nothing changes. And and we actually had that conversation this morning. We watched a really cool video about uh, uh, making sure that, that you understand your goals and, and what you're trying to accomplish and having finite goals and, and infinite goals and, and uh, understanding what those differences are. And, and so for us, you know, we need to play the same way regardless of the situation and circumstance, whether we're up three goals, down three goals, first period, third period, first game of the weekend, third game of the weekend, doesn't matter. Uh, our identity is hard work, 200 feet, compete, finish our checks, touch pucks first, be hard to play against, defend, um, move our feet, create offense, transition fast, get in your face, and and that identity is the only way that we have success. And, and it needs to be an all-the-time thing. It cannot be a sometimes thing for a championship caliber club. And, and so um, that's how we practice. That's our mentality with everything we do. And, and uh, the goals partially come because of that mentality and, and, and that approach. And, uh, you know, there's going to be games when we have to win one nothing, 2 nothing, 2 one 3-2. Uh, 
Um, you know, it, it, can I can I calmly say we won't score six every game? Yeah, you know, my my daughter has uh, gotten in the habit of predicting how many goals we're going to score in a game, <laughs> and uh, two weeks in a two games in a row, she said eight. And both we had six, and and going into the third, I'm like, we got a chance to get to eight, and we didn't score in the third no. period. We don't score in the third period. Like we get all our scoring done, and then we sit on our lead, which is not at all what I want, by the way. Um, but we're working on that. And then, so this past uh, Saturday, I I was leaving to go to the bus, and I said, how many goals do you want tonight? And she said, mm, thirteen. 13. And my wife started laughing. And she's like, yeah, I don't think we're getting to 13. If we get to 13, there's going to be probably about 13 fights. And so maybe that's not the best thing. But when I came home the next day, I said, hey, you know, on the weekend, we scored 12. So we were close to 13. And, and uh, that satisfied her. So uh, we'll see where, where her numbers go. But as long as she is predicting higher scores. We are scoring relatively a lot of goals every game. So uh, I'll encourage her to keep uh, keep those up in the yeah. crooked numbers. Yeah, just because the team might only score three goals one night doesn't mean that's the standard anymore. You know, it's we got to shoot for higher things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But but the reality of it is the scoring in this league is, is very challenging. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly not taking for granted the fact that we've managed to score as much as we have. I think that's four out of our six games this year we've scored six goals right we had four another game and obviously the game we lost we only scored two and uh you could see if anybody's watched our games the clear difference between the way we played in the game we lost versus the way we've played in the games that we've won and and so sometimes a setback is a good thing right you you deal with some adversity you feel some failure and you understand hey like we didn't we didn't do what we needed to do to get a win tonight and and so um you look at those as as lessons and opportunities to learn we talked about you said four times this year scoring six or more goals by comparison last year it happened nine times so you're almost halfway to that total of the six or more goal games one of the things i thought about after that game saturday was one of the best things that could probably happen coming up here would be a two to one stars win a tight closer game how do you kind of get the team ready and let's say a game's going like that it's lower scoring but you've been lighting the lamp regularly lately what's the message on the bench in the middle of that game knowing might only be two that gets us to win tonight well we we're we're pretty fortunate because we've got really good goaltenders and so both of those guys are going to keep us in games night in and night out and and uh you know i i don't think we've been pretty good defensively too if you really look at the the goals we've given up we do make some the occasional uh transition defending mistake which i was talking to art about this morning and i'm like we were still harping on transition d in april last year so you know it's something that is really hard to to get the guys to understand um and so that's how we gave one up on on saturday and that's how we gave one up on friday and uh you just got to you, you got to understand the teams in this league are so talented. You give them line rushes, you give them chance to enter the zone with possession. It's probably not going to be great for you. They're going to get an offensive chance. And uh, But on the other side of the coin, how many line rushes did we have that we didn't score on? Yeah. Uh, we had a couple really good ones on Friday where we hit the seam and hit a one-timer and their goalie made some saves. And, and so, you know, they're going to go both directions. It's It's who can finish a few extra ones that'll be the difference that second period stretch on uh, Saturday was something that was interesting to me because I'd say for the over half of that game between Tri-City and the Stars it was a tight game it was only 2-1 thanks to two goals from Tanner Ludke in the first that second period felt like it was just back and forth for a bit 
until you guys just kind of caught fire late in the period. Have you ever had a game where you've scored three goals in like a minute 34 before or, or less than that, whether you played, coached? I mean, because that was chaotic. Yeah, I, I have. You have? I have. Um, in a playoff game in back in 2010, uh, we were down uh, 5-1 with six minutes left. And we scored five goals in three and a half minutes and, and won six five. Um and that was a game five to get to the national wow. tournament. So um, you know, I've I've seen some things. Uh coincidentally, championship game in two thousand and seventeen or eighteen, we're up five three with a minute and a half left. And uh the other team scores twice, ties it up, beats us in overtime, game five championship series. So um, you know, I've been on both sides of it and, and as much as momentum, we, we want to talk about how it's not a thing. Momentum is a is a thing from a mental perspective, right? Because a team starts to doubt themselves, and and uh, Tri City is is kind of known for their their ability to jump on you, and then and then boom, 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 and they did that a lot last year, and and we got to the point where. I remember the last time we went in there, I'm talking to George, and I'm like, George, we just got to hang on until the media timeout. If we can get to the media timeout, then the game can kind of be even. But if they score on you in the first two or three minutes, like they're going to pot three more before you bat an eye. And um, that's that's kind of the mentality that we've been trying to teach our guys is feel that, that ebb and flow in a game, feel that momentum shift, and take advantage of it. Because it's not going to last all that long. So the the more you can press during that momentum shift, the if you can get two in in those three to five minutes, that's huge. Obviously, you know we're playing with the house's money when we're scoring three or four in that time frame. But um, you know we've been able to do that a couple times. We can't rely on that either, right? You you got to know that uh, hey, if you get one, it's hard enough to get one. We can't just expect the next one to come, but you got to really get in there and work if you want to try to generate some more chances right away. And Saturday's game, right after that second period ended, that third period got a little bit chippier, but I thought you know you guys did a good job kind of staying focused too. We talked about sometimes that third period scoring hasn't been there. You got a goal in the third period, and you kind of kept everything calm enough as well. Well, you know, when you play six consecutive periods against anybody, uh, it's going to get a little chippy and, and – uh, you know, it was terrible, just terrible to see Dane Doyak get punched in the face. I felt so bad for him. I'm rolling my eyes in case nobody knows. Um, but it was it was really, you know, it was good to see our guys stand up for themselves. And we ended up on a power play there because because Doyak started it and, and uh, he got uh, he got punched in the mouth by Hagen Moe for his efforts. So uh, probably a tough way to end his evening. But uh, I thought I love the way that our guys uh, – defended themselves and and stuck up for each other and fighting is a part of the game obviously they you know they we don't fight nearly as much as uh we did 10 15 20 years ago but uh but it's still there when it needs to be there and and I think it self polices the game a little bit and um you could you could kind of feel that game getting a little bit out of control and and uh the referee kind of was like oh I'm going to start giving guys 10 minute misconducts and my answer was, why don't you stop calling coincidental penalties? You call one on, on this team or that team. That will stop some of this, too. But it mm-hmm. uh, was a little bit too far out of his reach at that time. And um, the, the fans that were there got to watch a little scrum, which is cool. 
And like you said, you know, six periods in a row against the same team, it's going to add up a little bit. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we will have Jared Mangan and Brendan Ali joining us here. This is Outside the Box, brought to you by Raising Canes on 93.7 The Ticket. 